tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. All men and women created by the goal, you know the you know the It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land as a land of the free? Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classroom. Then stand up and sing about the land of the free. Which do you like more, Congress or lice? <laughs> Well, we like lice. Here's my eight words people need to stop redefining. Hate, victim, hero, shame, violence, survivor, phobic, and white supremacist. That America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. So we, we, we got our uh, an, another email from our good friend Yepix, and he brought up something that, uh, or, or at least brought to my attention something that I wasn't completely aware of, or not even completely aware of. I was not aware of at all and had to take some time to go and investigate and found out that it's actually 100% true and just made me more convinced that we're all going to hell in a handbasket. Mermaids aren't real, and you can't have sex with them. Damn. <laughs> well, there goes my week. <laughs> Thought I'd help you out. So I help us all out. You're you're welcome. Thank you, both very, listeners. Thank you very much. However, where I was going to go with was a little bit of financial news. Apparently, a uh, good many of the other countries throughout the world are starting to divest themselves of U.S. dollars. Well, yeah. Now, it's only in small amounts here and there, but it, the, the thing is, it's not just Russia and China, it's Britain, it's Israel, it's France. And it's only small percentages right now, so that you don't cause a worldwide global panic and shutdown, but it's starting to become significant that they're actually starting to invest in, of all things, ruples and uh, yamin, yaminbi, whatever the hell the Chinese uh, currency is called. Yeah, I've I've heard this uh, on several occasions, and it's not surprising to me, honestly. It's not surprising, but it's one of those things that we come back to in which it's it, – it, we look back at our own governmental system going, there's nothing to see here. Yeah. <laughs> it's all their fault. Oh, yeah. It's Putin's fault. Uh, and, and, and yeah. we're getting and we're getting so much farther into this whole concept of blame it on somebody else, make somebody else angry about something, scare somebody scare you about something else. I mean, now they're on to bunky pox. Look, Fauci has been desperately trying to find another way to lock us down. All right. I think he really is in love with that particular hot button. So it does not surprise me they're trying to find some other plague to to shut us all up again. Because oh. that fear thing really worked out well for them. 
but but it's even at this point getting to getting to be more ridiculous. I mean, you can tell over the past week what an absolute genius that Jen Psaki was now that she's gone. <laughs> well, I I I will give her this. Jen Psaki, I do not agree with her. I do not agree with her. I do not think that uh, she was being truthful in any way, shape, or form. However, Jen Psaki could at least deflect well. Like, yeah, that's your job. Well, she was You're White House press secretary. Your, your job is to deflect and maintain. That's well, your well, job. She, she was at least creative. Creative right. yeah. in finding something unique to blame everything that everything happened was on something, something she unique was, and something creative. Absolutely. She was a master of Tai Chi, right? Like complete Teflon for the for the establishment and nothing stuck to her. Even when things stuck to her, it didn't stick to her. At least you could give her that. I didn't like her. I still don't like her. I am not going to follow her on MSNBC. Really? However, uh, she was at least competent at her job as much as I didn't like her. Now, now at this point with the young lady that's there now, you can actually play a drinking game where you drink every time she brings up white supremacy. Oh, my gosh. You know who I miss more than anybody else? What was that last uh, press secretary that Trump had? Uh, I can't remember her first name. Her last name was like McKaylee or something oh, of that nature. My. God, but she was a magician. Well, not only was she was a magician, you know, Jen, Jen Psaki would look at you with contempt and, you know, uh, and treat you like you were an idiot. This McKaylee would not only treat you like an idiot, but make you feel like you're an idiot. Oh, she was Kaylee McKinney, McKinney, McKaylee or something of that nature. Yeah, right? Kaylee. We all know who McKinney. you're talking about. The oh, my Bond gosh. One. She was like masterful. Well, that would, no matter what you thought of Trump. Okay, she was so good. Um, like she could, she could tell you that the sky was purple, and you'd believe her. I mean, uh, she was just that. She was that confident in what she was doing, and I'm like, oh wow, I don't know where they found her, but she's incredible. Um, now she was working for a president who half the country hated. Now. Well, you know, you got Saki, who <laughs> is working Joe. for, yeah, uh, who is working for Uncle Joe, who almost is completely universally hated now. Uh, I mean, uh, even his power base is turning against him. I don't know whether to hate him or pity him. I don't think it it shouldn't. I I don't think that's a mutually exclusive decision. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, he's not he's not doing. Anything like that? It's very clear at this point they have no plan. Their plan was their entire plan was I'm not Trump, and it was that alone was enough to get him elected, which is unbelievable to me because that's not an accolade, right? But at the same time, uh, we need things from our government and our president. We need things like, hey, how about we all like collectively. Start working on this inflation thing or help our supply chain issues or baby formula or or any number of these pressing issues that are devaluing our country and destabilizing our economy. How about we work on any of that, Uncle Joe? And Uncle Joe's plan is 
Hang tight. We'll get back to you. Well, I, I <laughs> that's think essentially what his speech was. I, we, we've been dealing with this for decades now, where rather than trying to get elected on what you will do, you're trying to get elected on what the other guy has done. And I, I think we're starting to reach the unsustainability portion of that. We've, we're, we're coming to the end of where that was sustainable. Now, because we're, we're to the point where we're not doing anything. We're simply preventing the other guy from doing something. I, I, I just – which is not, in, again, personal opinion, not how you run a country effectively. Of course this not. Is, this is not a recipe for success or, or for addressing the challenges of the American people. That's not where we're headed. What we're doing – is trying to sweep the living room while the house is on fire. Well, and it's part of what's got me worried, and we've talked about this week after week after week, and I keep seeing it get worse and worse and worse, where uh, everybody is convinced that the other side is evil. Just take up the concept of democracy. Everybody is convinced that democracy is coming to an end. With that said, if you ask whichever side is going, um, how democracy is going to come to an end, it's something that the other side is doing. Oh, yeah, no, I saw and, and you a... Can, and you can ask that on either side. I saw some uh, contributor the other day on CNN, and, and yes, I do watch CNN, and Embassy and Fox, and all of them are lying. I think your analogy of, of the whole sniper thing, let's see what lies they're trying to feed us today. I think that's about as close to correct as anything. But uh, I was watching, and he honestly compared the Republican Party to domestic terrorism. And said that this should be a dread. This is the greatest threat to the nation, and they should be wiped out. And well, I'm like, I mean, wow, we dude. Had, we had the unfortunate incident in Buffalo. Now, I am not going to stand here and try to defend that man for what he did. There's, there, of course not. He's a piece of shit. Exactly. Why would we do that? But to stand there and say that that is only coming from the right wing. Okay, the right wing may have guns, and the right wing may be the ones going in and causing the mass shootings, but we just saw, spent a, a couple of years ago, spent a summer watching the left wing burn down entire cities. Yeah, it's just the, me it's just the methodology that they don't like. Well, right, and they can point to it. So, so, but, but once again, you're, you're what, you, what you're coming down to is, is that a level of hatred on both sides of the other side, that everything evil is from the other side. They, there, there's, you can't take a mirror to yourself in this world anymore. No, no, and self-reflection's out as well because that's super unpopular. Then you could be seen to have faults and that's well, that's be, not gonna well, happen be, because at this point you, what you can't do at this point is break your own cognitive dissidence and and yeah. it's the entire political spectrum is filled with so much cognitive dissidence that as you said before what lies are they telling us today yeah i i, I have deep concerns over the ability of whoever gets in office i i don't care what party you're from i have not seen Anyone in in politics, any professional politicians in either side, OK, uh, on the national level who has a plan, who's got on TV or Internet or whatever it is and said, oh, well, to fix this problem, we need to do these things. 
and this is how we would do it and this is how it would work and it's going to be kind of crappy but this is what's this is what we got to do i've seen no one well, with any of that i've seen one person do it unfortunately i think his plan is faulty and ridiculous bernie <laughs> Now, Bernie. now I'm I'm sure, and Yepix, I'm pointing at you, that someone's head just exploded when I said that, because there are enough people out there who believe that Bernie's plan is the way to go, and I've just read too much history. Look, I I, I understand where, especially millennials, would find the allure of light socialism. Which is really what Bernie's kind of suggesting. Um, appealing. I, fi- I, I understand it. Not only do I understand it, I understand why it might work in the short term. Because if you look at, at anyone who's in the millennial or Gen Z generation, they haven't had a good year. There oh, has no. never been prosperity. There has never been opportunity. There has never been... The the wellspring of of economic growth. Well, it, it, for it, them, it's been several months, but we talked Ever. about it before. You know, our generation, Generation X, is the first generation in the United States, and it has continued to gone down downward from there, in which the standard of living did not grow from a gen from a generation; it actually uh, shrunk from a generation. Also. Gen X is the smallest generation currently alive. Uh, we will never inherit the planet. We will never move forward, you know, move humanity forward. Gen X just isn't that big. Uh, the boomers will hold it until they all die. And then it will pass. It will skip Gen X completely and go to the next generation down who are politically active. And I'll give the millennials this. Okay, millennials and Gen Z, for that matter, they are what Gen X never has been, and that is politically aware and politically active. Yes, but what I don't think they are, and once again, here's one where somebody's going to get pissed at me. What I don't think they are is politically and historically educated. Well, I didn't say that. Uh, I said they are politically aware. And oh, no, politically they're very active. politically aware and very active and very, very opinionated. I don't see that as a bad thing. What I don't what I see is that. It, look, I, I guess what I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Our system is sucks, but it's kind of the one of the better ones available at the moment, because, you know, the other ones out there suck even worse. Well, let me give you this scenario and see what – and I think you're going to see exactly the same thing I do. What happens when you deprive somebody of all opportunity, all say in their future, all economic uh, uh, gains, and saddle them with crushing debt immediately when they become – adulthood or when they reach adulthood with uh, college loans and such and then make them live with that for oh i don't know you know they just get to stew on it for like 20 30 years and then after that they look up 
and they realize that the people holding them under their boot have all died and that they're going to be brought into power now. What do you think those people oh, I didn't do? say I didn't say what the, the where things were probably going to go was illogical, especially from their point of view. You'll find from... that many of the truths we clean to depend greatly on your own point of view. <laughs> yes, Kenobi, uh, we do. <laughs> Uh, I, so it's, I mean, they're going to go apeshit crazy. Of course they And are. rightly so. But what I'm hoping we can do in the meantime, and I, I don't know how. I don't know how we get there from here. Because to me, it's it's almost untenable while, while a very, very small and very select group hold all the cards to sit down with the, and this is partially the reason we started this cast, but to sit down with that generation and go, look, I, I get how you're feeling. They did it to us first. Okay. We, Gen X was the first generation. They just beat us. Okay. That's a, we were just beaten into subservience immediately, if not sooner. We didn't fight back like the millennials are. We just went, oh, I guess I got to get a job and it sucks. You know, like that was our first, like that was their first power move. They subdued an entire generation because we were small. And then the millennials came by and the millennials went, suck a dick. We're not doing that. And I, I, I know we, we talk on a lot of terms about generations and stuff, but that makes a difference, right? Because it's a, when you have that many people together who all think the same way and share a common experience, they tend to politically, economically, and and socially move the same way. And what I'm seeing as far as that group of people is wild annoyance, no opportunity, and feeling uh, – the, the, the overwhelming feeling of hopelessness. Now, what do people like that do when, when one of two things happens? One, that oppression goes away, or they get so bad that they just decide, you know what? Screw it. It can't, oh, the, the, they're it gonna, can't they're get gonna, better than this. burn the system down. Right. It, so, it, that, and but what, that's again, what they're I, doing, and they're flirting with that line. And I guess what I worry about is that in the process of all of that anger, justifiable anger, in the process of all of that angst, justifiable angst, in the midst of all of that depression, justifiable depression, that somewhere along the line, somebody's not looking at the law of unintended consequences, and also bringing in that last little piece that tends to fuck up everything. And that last little piece is people suck. Not a person, people as a whole. So because what you're going to find is no matter what sort of political system they come up with, no matter what sort of political system they uh, choose to adopt, the, no matter what political system they decide is the, the this is the best thing that's for us, they may get a little bit of... A, a brief moment of, wow, this is awesome, that brief moment of euphoria, that brief moment of utopia. But what happens in all of that is the power climbers always make it to the top. That's just part of the deal. Whether it's the billionaires in a capitalistic society, or if you want to use the George Orwell version of a communist socialist society, the pigs, 
somewhere along the line, that's what rises to the top because those are the people that want that power. So, uh, so, yeah. so, so, it's not the fact that I don't see the fact that a socialistic society will work, could work. Excuse me, could work. I don't. It's not the fact that I don't see the problems inherent in capitalism. It's not the fact that I, I don't think that if you know we all had rainbows and unicorns flying out of our ass, that communism wouldn't work beautifully and fine. It's the fact that I don't think it's going to do what they want it to. In fact, I know it's not going to do what they want it to. Well, it never has no. because it's easily abusable from the top, and they've seen that over and over. What I'm actually worried about is a very charismatic, uh, ambitious person with a plan. That's what I'm worried about because in uh, – I can't remember where well, it came well, from or where I heard it. But... We're ripe for it at the moment. Well, Yeah. And there's a there's a saying in confusion there is profit, of course. And well, I why, why do you think they've got everybody trying to hate each other right now? And, and oh it's God, kind of, yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where I, I'm, what I'm waiting for is for the violence to start. It, okay, I'll use this as an example. It's a bad example, but I'll use it anyway. I as I as we when we talked about January 6, I told you I was a few blocks away from it, but I was had it split screen on my laptop between CNN and Fox News, and I was actually laughing my balls off. And it wasn't because that there was violence going on. What was making me laugh is that they were saying on both Fox News and CNN the same damn thing. How did we come to this? And my thought process was because you fuckers stirred you everybody up. You got us here. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of where where I'm thinking. What I'm waiting for is is for you know the the final storming of the Capitol at the end of the second you know American Civil War, and for whoever's still left in the Capitol, going, I can't believe we've come to this. And somebody sitting there going, You fucking idiots! You're the ones who did this. I I look at it. As I can't remember what Batman villain it is, but you know when Batman's like, yeah, you know, I don't understand why you're doing this, and and the 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 Batman villain goes, well, you made me. Might have been the Joker. That was, no, no, that was the Joker. Yeah, you made me. I like I I am a direct reflection of your actions. You made this, and I I don't I I don't know how far away it is. I think if we go down this path continue to go down this path we are rapidly dancing that line and i think there's two things really that are pushing us further than we have to be more than the norm right one um i don't think most people in power believe that it can happen i really don't i don't think that anyone in dc running the show or the corporate conglomerates or the billionaires or whatever i don't think they believe it can happen. Well, but see, the D, D.C. at this point, especially inside the Beltway with, with the people who live there, work there, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, attempt to run the country from there, are, are really not at this point in life all that different from the capital in the Hunger Games at this point. They yeah. are completely unaware of what is going on around them. 
and completely oblivious to it. And everything is so much more important, what is going on just in their little realm and world, that nothing else seems to make sense. And it's not the only place that I've run into that before. I mean, it, it, it's one of the things that just drives me nuts about working and being in Manhattan. You know, you have people who will tell you someplace to be in Manhattan. You ask them what city that's in because you have no clue who they are. And they're like, well, obviously, it's New York. And it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> big country, dude. Um, <laughs> and so, but you're running into the same sort of thing in DC at this point where you've got these people who have no concept of what is going on in the rest of the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they don't have any concept and they don't believe that anything really bad could happen from anything that they do. It's all recoverable. It's well, fine. But but you also see that just in their responses to things that have gone on the past few years. Seattle and Portland burned down. Okay. A couple yeah, of people uh, run into know, the Capitol. A couple of people run into the Capitol. We're having congressional hearings on that shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It affected them. They, they came in and they were angry at us. Well, who could be angry at us? This is a national offense. We should kill all those people who are angry at us. They're it's they're so I think you're right. It's they're so separated. They just they really don't believe one. They think they're smarter than everyone else. And hey, who am I? I, They may be smarter than us. What they're not. Wait wait, wait a minute. Have you heard AOC speak? I know. I know. (laughs) God, I hate that woman. But but I uh, I've heard Uncle Joe speak, too, and it's it's amazing to watch those sentences. I love when they print transcripts of Biden's speeches because you're just like, I think my third grader could do better than this. But I you you look at them and and they're so caught up in whatever it is and supporting their party and getting reelected that that's all they do. And it's in it, I mean, the analogy of of they're the capital and Hunger Games and they're only concerned about the thing happening in the capital and this political intrigue and all that stuff. And they don't think anything else is real because to them, it's not. They don't. And, and this is I wish more people understood this. They don't care about you. If you are not inside the club and you know if you're inside the club or not. Anyone listening to this is not inside the club. Oh, uh, no. By the way, hi, NSA. Uh, and, and for anyway, the record, NSA, you're not in the club either. You're not in the club, okay? <laughs> you are the long arm of the club, all right? But you ain't in the club. Uh, but any anyone who is not inside the club, they don't matter. We're just fodder. They don't care about you, no matter what party you are. And and that's the part that I think more people need to know because you might make your decisions differently. Well, I, the part that I that drives me nuts is the people who, especially in the and I'm a, I'm in favor of expanding the two party system. Um, but in this two party system, it's one or the other. You're on one side or the other. And you have so many people who believe that their side is actually there for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The My side would never say that or they would never do that. I'm like, they do it every day. They just use different keywords. That's that's all they do. It's the exact same thing. They just use different words and that you like better. And I and when I say things like that, people look at me like, oh, 
God, you obviously don't understand. And I'm like, obviously not. Explain it to me. Tell me how much they care about us, how much they care about you. You know, you vote for them. What have they done for you? Look at look at what they're doing. Your your grocery prices and gas prices are the same as mine. Like what? But and then and then the worst part about it is then they're blowing sunshine up your ass trying to explain to you that this is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's forcing everyone into electric vehicles. Isn't that great? It's like, first of all, you're an idiot. <laughs> Second, there are no electric vehicles that you can buy right now. And even if you could, you couldn't afford the damn car. Like, and where do you think, by the way, that electricity comes from? You know, it comes from a coal plant or a natural gas plant or something like that. Electricity isn't clean. Yes, you're not immediately spending it every time you turn the key in your car, but you are polluting. Like, let's talk about what happens to those batteries after they're removed from your car. Do you know what lithium does to the environment? Uh, do you know how much that costs? Uh, so, I, but you can't have, you can't even have that conversation. Uh, and then you've got idiots up there. Um, and it's hysterical to me that Stephen Colbert has become the figure that he used to make fun of. But, and then you got idiots like Stephen Colbert going, oh, just drive a Tesla. I don't know what your problem is. It's fine. Well, but see, you've also got people who are getting caught up in the the just dragged down into the trap. The one I'll use for that is John Stewart. Oh man, I I, I almost feel bad for him. He created a show that I actually started out to be pretty good, but he surrounded himself with all of these young millennials who literally dragged that show down into a progressive mire and just bottle of shit. Uh, I was so something, hopeful. The same thing happened uh, um, to, oh, shit, the last week tonight. Yeah. John Oliver. John Oliver. Now, it's both really of these bad. guys were definitely on the classic liberal side. They yeah, always I, have been. I've never agreed with everything that they've had to say, but they at least had some logical tendencies and some things that they made sense with. And but they have just gone so far off the deep end because that's what the generation is looking for. I used to look forward every time to last week tonight, like several years ago, it was some of the, I'm not kidding. It was some of the best investigative reporting I had seen in years, uh, a few years ago. I, I fell off of last week tonight. The moment I figured out that John Oliver was making up numbers. <laughs> or that, or not necessarily him, but that his producers were making up numbers with regards to the whole COVID thing. When when I could literally just with a few clicks of my mouse on my computer verify the things he were saying were absolutely, totally, and utterly false. Yeah, I really, yeah, I'm about the same thing. Like, I knew during the pandemic, I'm like, oh, crap. Somebody, somebody either got to them or part of their staff is, is, is swallowing the Kool-Aid. And you're just like, God damn it you know because i really liked them you know i really liked his style i really loved the fact that they would go down to the mat and do the leg work and really do the research and then you're just oh yes all right and and just because and i hate the fact that i actually have to clarify this when i say a few clicks from my mouse i'm talking about actually looking at government websites not going to alex jones or something of that nature I, they, they were, honest to God, verifiable statistics that you could find on the government's own websites 
that were just basically saying that, uh, quite frankly, the reporting that you were getting from from these guys was no better than uh, Alex Jones, just in the opposite direction. <laughs> Do you know what upset me more than anything else uh, with with that whole thing? Like John Stewart and and John Oliver and and that whole crew. And really, the media in general, the the and broadcast. I'm media I'm actually going to cut you off for two seconds, and because, but because, but I really want to hear where you're going with this. But I'm just going to use as an example as to how much respect I actually had for John Stewart, and in the show that he tried to come up with, he actually did a whole gun control episode that even I, a guy who does a gun podcast with you, who is basically one of those people who stands outside with his AR scream in America, uh, actually had to say at the end of the whole thing. The guy's got a point. I saw the same episode and I agreed with some of the stuff and I, I understand where some of those come from. And I would love as an American, as a gun guy, as, as somebody who's concerned about violence, uh, uh, like gun violence, I would love as a country to have that conversation. And I think we need to. If for no other reason for the sake of understanding by all parties so that we can actually get down to it and start fixing some of the problems we have. And we do have problems. But even then, you can't do it because of people on the other side and your side, right? You got crazy standing behind you screaming at the top of their lungs. And it's just, you know, God damn it. Like, you can't talk to any other reasonable person without hearing the shouting over your shoulder. And that's that's the sad part to me. Uh, I, I just it, it you know, you, you try and and get where you you need to go and you can't because there's somebody screaming something weird and you just wind up looking at them going, what are you doing? Like, this isn't helping anyone. Uh, but but he, I but I cut you off with that. Where were you going with the uh, um, dis, the well, disappointment in the the media? Well, the the general disappointment in the media for me is we have fallen so far that we don't understand two things. One is that the current stuff happening on the big cable news networks. Are and I'm talking CNN, MSNBC, and, and Fox, right? All, all of them, okay. And I don't like any of them, right? Like none of them. They are they all of them spew the same crap. They just do it in a different way. Um, any any of that stuff, or or really any broadcast media in general, they all have. Now they all are opinion and not news. They will take a kernel of news. And spin it completely with opinion, surrounded by four or five other jackasses that are not talking about the kernel of news, but the opinion about the kernel of news. And then they're portraying that as news. That's my first gripe. The second one is that apparently, and I don't know when this switch happened, but apparently as a group, and to your original point, this is why I think a lot of the rest of the countries of the world are like, oh, they're fucked. We, we need to withdraw money. We can't tell the difference. We no longer understand that this is wild opinionating and 
and coloring of whatever kernel of truth they started with and start parroting it back to people when they say something we don't Be- like. Because it's all that's left. And that's the that's the part that kills me, right? Like we have this this fa- these fantastic tools like video, like the internet, like um, all these verification methods, and we <clears throat> we use them almost exclusively to try and disprove our neighbor instead of validating and stating what we find to be fact. And then talking about what we should all do about it. Well, uh, look at what not truth, by the way, fact. Well, there's a difference. Well, look at what happened with our good old Ministry of Truth. (laughs) That was the best story. I love that story. I'm sad that it's not it's paused and not just disbanded. Well, but but did you did you see the reason for pausing it? it? It was mischaracterized. (laughs) <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> yeah, not the way they think it was, it was, but it, was, it, it, sure yeah, was. It was mischaracterized as what it was, not what you wanted us to think it was. You mean that shit didn't work? <laughs> Holy crap. You guys saw through that, huh? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> when you but, appoint the singing Mary Poppins lady to the Ministry of Truth, the best headline for that was uh, I will I, I cut it out took a picture of it and printed it out and I put it in a folder the ministry of truth says there's no ministry of truth yeah minister of truth confirmed there's no ministry of truth that's her picture of it I'm like yep that's the times we live in but uh, but even going back to the other countries divesting from the, the US dollar do, do do people who are looking at this recognize that this is means that the inflation problem is going to get worse not better Oh no I I don't think they I think everybody's waiting for the government to do everything and it's it's not going to happen they're not going to fix it it's not in their interest to fix it now, do you want to go full on conspiracy theory and talk about the fact that this is obviously them trying to move us over to digital currency? Yeah, I don't think that's working. I mean, crypto's <laughs> taking such a bath right now. I don't think they're in any big hurry to do crypto right now. Um, well, here here comes the other one. If you if you want to have a little bit of fun uh, with that concept, is um, did did you hear that the that they are actually doing hearings on UFOs again up on the Capitol Hill? I've heard that, yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what comedian it was, but one of my favorite quotes from that was, uh, do you want to know how bad the pandemic actually was? I mean, like, really, <laughs> in realistic terms. They announced that UFOs were real and no one noticed. And no one cared. Yeah. They announced that um, we're not saying there's aliens, but we can't identify anything on this planet that would have done that. But we're not saying it's aliens, right? Uh, and nobody cared. That's how bad the pandemic was. Jake and I were – I mean, we saw this stuff, and we're big alien heads anyway. Like, Or at least I am. I won't – Oh, no, no. I, 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 hey, I, I personally – It's going to be rough. Sorry, pal. I didn't want to speak for you. I personally um, think that's the only thing that can save us at this point. <laughs> I just, I'm like, Jake sent me this. He's like, did you see that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw it. And, you know, like they're admitting that this this couldn't have been done by anything on Earth, right? Quietly without saying that, right? 
And and no one noticed. No one noticed. Except for Tucker Carlson, but the fact that Tucker Carlson noticed made everyone else go, oh, that's obviously bullshit. Oh, it's obviously, it's clearly Tucker Carlson being, like, stupid. And you're like, God, and that's the problem, right? That's the problem. Like, they're so jaded and, and manipulative and liars that even when they're saying the truth, you can't tell. Right. That's the problem. Like this part of the problem. You're like, oh, well, no, if she said like it would be the same as if it came out of Jen Psaki's mouth to me. But I, like, it's, obviously it's, she's lying. But the reason, her they started, the reason they started doing the hearings again is because and I don't remember the exact percentage, so I'm not going to try to claim to. But there was some astronomical percentage of increase in actual, honest to God, verifiable UFO sightings over the past year that. They had to kind of go, well, shit. And it's all like everybody's got cell phones and, and video. And like, well, then explain this. Uh, we can't, you know, and the old MIB standby swap gas from a weather balloon refracted the light of <laughs> Venus. You know, like they can't do that after like 100,000 people caught it at the same time with the same date stamp and the same thing from a million different angles. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. There is one possibility. One possibility that MIB has turned everyone's cell phone into a neuralizer. Man, I hope so. Because there's some <laughs> shit I want to forget. Let me just be clear. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, oh, it's amazing and, to me. And the article I came across today, and, and I haven't had a chance to verify it yet or not, just to show how fucked the world's going, is is Pfizer is trying to get through the FDA a chip that will actually a pill with a chip in it that will actually tell the the government when you've taken your medicine. Yeah. Now let's... once now now I have not taken the time to verify that one, but that was one that I looked at and went, well shit. <laughs> Look, I mean the minute the government starts getting serious pull over medication diet and uh, uh, leisure time those well, are the big three well 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 look this is going to go back into our system sucks but other systems suck too because yes our our medical system is broken without question but you know we're just now even starting to see how countries that have um, the socialized medical systems basically dictate your health care to you yeah, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word broken. Um, shambles oh. might be a better word. Um, okay, but but that being said, you, you know, we get up in arms when you know family members want to have a discussion in this country as to whether or not somebody should have the plug pulled on them. You don't even, you're not even part of the conversation in some of these countries of socialized medicine. And I'm not talking about third world countries. I'm talking about first world European countries. Yeah, Europe. In, yeah. in which the government and the doctor decides when you die. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm 100% convinced that. Uh, oh, I'm going to throw one more into you before you tell me that you're convinced, because uh, in that same vein, Canada has just recently passed a new law and it wasn't very well publicized. But once again, I managed to verify this one that I uh, there. Canada is actually one of the countries that has a right to die 
uh, if you're really sick with something like cancer or something like that, that you can actually have euthanasia. They recently decided that being excessively poor and depressed qualifies you for that. <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, don't be poor and depressed in Canada. They'll kill you. Uh, well, it goes on to my point. I am 100 percent convinced that the government in our elite and billionaire class at large um, is you mean, just you mean, sure. You mean, you mean Elon doesn't love me? I am positive Elon doesn't love anybody but Elon. That oh, okay. man, that handsome devil in the mirror, is the only man that there is the only other person that man loves. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, actually, I'm a hundred percent sure that they are convinced this country would be a great place if it wasn't for all these damn people in it. <laughs> and if we could just get rid of the plebs, we'd have a wonderful little country. Uh, well, well, and as soon as they can figure out how to get rid of all the people who aren't billionaires and millionaires in the political class, um, this country would be great. I haven't finished it yet, so it's not going to be one of our media discussions. But have you started watching season three of Love, Death and Robots yet? <laughs> no. OK. First video will confirm everything you've said about that. I'm just I, I'm positive of it. They would just really rather we all die. I'm positive. Well, hasn't Bill Gates basically said that? Man, Bill Gates has been quoted as saying a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's it's super bad that like, why do I look at somebody hawking products on television like Snoop Dogg and go, there's a trustworthy fellow. Uh, well, th that's because they showed the picture of Snoop Dogg next to Martha Stewart and said, it's funny, guess which one of these two is actually a felon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I would believe Snoop Dogg over, look, I've used this product. I think it's great. Like, that's an endorsement I can believe of. Uh, like, there's, it's so messed up. It's so messed up. And we... As far as I can tell, and I'm, and who am I, right? I'm just some schmuck from Texas. But as far as I can tell, they, they're stopping just short of just coming out and telling all of us, look, we'd really rather all of you just went away. Like that would be <laughs> much better for us. Um, you're whiny. You keep wanting us to do things like turn the country over to you and, I don't know, do what we're supposed to do our jobs and, and fund programs like that would help any somebody other than us. And we just really don't want to do that. So if y'all could all just like help us out and die, that'd be great. And I'm like, they've, they've stopped short of that, but I think they're trying to find the, the correct method to really convey that, that modality to us. Well, that, that actually does, and, and I'm going to transition on us here, because that actually does bring us to our thought experiment for the day, which is a basically a question on reality. Ready for this one? Oh, hit me. Okay. It involves one of both of our favorite movies, The Matrix. Go on. <laughs> 
I uh, over the the past over the past week, I saw an interview with Keanu Reeves, and he was talking about running into a friend of his six-year-old who had never seen The Matrix before. And in the process, because they were in the process of filming The Matrix 4, explaining to this young lady what The Matrix movie was and what it meant, he said that he was really caught off guard when the six-year-old looked at him and said, why did anybody care? <laughs> and it's, so it kind of comes into an, an interesting thought experiment. If, if There's always been the question as to, or not always, but recently in years been the theory, question, and philosophical bent that this universe that we live in might actually just be a simulation on someone else's computer. Does it matter? Now, it's an interesting concept, but if, you know, we are, for example, in the Matrix, we are all here living our lives, does it really matter to you? Do you care if you have another body and another reality that's plugged into a computer somewhere? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Okay, I'm in, I'm in because I, I'm trying to figure out whether or not I would, could, or should. Because the one thing I will say is as I look at it, and I realize that the premise of the movie The Matrix were that these people who were who chose to come out of The Matrix were rebels who couldn't accept the existence. But you have to admit that the lifestyle inside The Matrix was a little bit nicer than the shithole they kind of woke up into. Oh, no, it's a lot better. So, so really, so that kind of comes into is, is I was one of the people who actually empathized with Cypher. I thought he was a dickhead for what he did, but I empathized with him. Oh, I can definitely see his decision. Uh, now, I'm much too loyal on a personal level to ever do something. Well, that's like what I that, mean. But I, what he did, I understand. He, he, he was a <laughs> dickhead for the way he did it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I, it would matter. It would matter to me if if there was um, if there was a body somewhere else, and and I realized that this was a simulation or something like that, because if I didn't know that this was a simulation, as like let's say I don't now, right? It's it's to me it's not because this is life. Uh, if I knew it was a simulation, that means the rules are slightly different, and knowing that. I would make different choices for sure. If I knew this was a simulation, yeah. Uh, because you're better at a game if you know you're playing. Oh, well, okay. So it, it, how so? Now, because if you are, for example, the protagonist of said sim sim simulation, then I agree with you wholeheartedly. But you and I are not going to be the protagonists of this particular simulation. As you said, you're a schmuck in Texas. I'm a schmuck in Delaware. And we are, if nothing else, supporting characters that wandered by. Our life is not going to get changed in any way, shape, or form by the fact that there is a body that we will never experience and never see in what is, for all intents and purposes, another universe. No, I mean, it won't make any difference to that body, but it could make a difference to our lives. Absolutely. 
two things. One, uh, if you know you're in, and I've read a lot of, but well, that's not true. I have listened to the audiobooks of a lot of books <laughs> about this kind of thing. I can't say read because I haven't read a book since my children have been born. Uh, it was the last paper book I read. However, um, you just knowing that you're an NPC means, and even if you're not the protagonist, like you're saying, like you're not Neo, right? I don't expect to be. I'm not. However, if you're a background NPC, let's say, let's we'll use gaming technology or terminology. If you're a gaming PC or a NPC and you realize you're an NPC, it's the difference between blindly following your program and making the decisions in the role in which you have been put. And there is a difference. Because so, so what you're talking about in philosophical terms is free will. Right. If you're just blindly following like a rat in a maze, right, there's the cheese, there's the cheese, there's the cheese, there's the cheese. But then you realize you're a rat in a maze and you're like, oh, shit, this but, could I could just climb out of the maze. I don't have to do the maze. I don't have to do any of this stuff. I can do whatever the hell I want, including and if I have that information and you don't. I can make judgments and and choices that you can't make because you don't understand the parameters that exist around you. True, but I guess we're talking about uh, assuming that someone would understand the parameters. Just because you suddenly recognize that you're in a maze does not change two things. That First, you're in a maze and that you're a rat. <laughs> well, no, well, actually, that's what I wasn't what I wasn't going to go with. What I was going to go with is that you still need the cheese and you still have no concept of what's outside the maze. Oh, but, see, and, but that's part of the fun part. One, two is again, you're not playing. It's sort of like data when he was playing against the strategema guy, you know, he assumed I was playing for the same outcome, you know, to win the game. That's what we're all here to do in the simulation, whatever. Um, and then Data just changed his objective. I, that's what you could do. If you didn't know, you, you, you're going to do what all the other things say to do. You know, you're going to be a good little program and do whatever you need to do. If you do know, if you have proof and you can find out, you can test the bounds of reality. You can test the bounds of the game. You can test the bounds of the simulation if you want to. You can test things that may or may not work. But again, that information is wildly valuable if you have it and everyone else around you doesn't. Even that just little bit, like, I know something you don't know. And that's the difference between somebody who's, uh, let me give you an example, a real-world example, well, a real simulated world example. Um, really successful entrepreneurs, ones that start companies from nothing and, and make them into billion-dollar successes, okay? They know things about business that you just don't know and it doesn't matter if the two of you go against you even if you strip all the business from them and and we've seen this happen in, in life over and over and over again strip all the business away and the two of you go head to head in a, in a competing business again who's going to have the advantage well, the person who's done it before right the person who's done it before and has the knowledge and 
this is the this is no different. The the little bit of knowledge that changes reality is valuable. Uh, now, does it make you Neo? And what you're saying is, does it make you a superhero? No, of course not. But self determination and knowing the rules and knowing the parameters in which you live in that have changed from 30 seconds ago are, are infinitely valuable because your cha- your decisions will will do. Let me give you a, another like weird example. So we're going along in life, and somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes, oh, by the way, um, you are actually a billionaire. What are you going to do with that? Now, does it change your life? Fuck yeah, it does. Does it change your status? Well, no, you're still human. You're still alive. You're still doing stuff. But it does change your decision tree. It also changes your options. Any piece of data that fundamentally alters the reality of your existence is valuable. Now, it you may choose to say, well, huh, I knew I was a simulation. I'll just keep doing this because I like doing this. But I, know, I you still know. You still know. In my, in my uh, opinion and experience and in, in my thought experiments, it always makes a difference to know. Okay. No, you may not be a superhero, but you but you know. So so to drag this conversation into a different direction, something that just occurred to me as you were talking, have you just touched on and described why people in this world are so obsessed with religion? Yeah. No, it's the same thing. It's the same it's the same thing and that's people are trying to find a way to I wasn't going to touch control. on that. Yeah, I wasn't going to touch on that, but well, actually, here I'll I'll use my own uh, screw being loose. It's uh, in this one to describe what uh, to put it to where I was going to say because what I'm going to say is going to sound a little bit morbid and a little bit weird, but it, it makes this a little bit clearer as to where I'm coming from. As a neurodivergent human being, I do not find the fact of death to be tragic in any way, shape, or form. Okay. The fact that their lives come to an end, I do not find as being tragic. However, not knowing what's on the other side, I do find frightening. As anybody does. Exactly. So it, it, that's, that's kind of where it's coming down to, is being able to have that knowledge, to have that control. So let's say, you know, and it is one of the consolations that religion gives to people, is that belief, that feeling that they have knowledge as to what comes next. Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely what it was founded for. It was founded as a measure of control and to not panic people who are confronting their own mortality. Absolutely. So in that same thing of knowing whether or not you are or not in the simulation, the same thing as knowing whether you are or are not in a world run by the shiny spaghetti monster in the sky. Mm hmm. It's it's very similar. Um, and, and honestly, the, the religion thing and, and the matrix especially deals a lot with religion. They don't call it that, but that's what it is. Um, well, oh, oh, I mean, hell, you can't watch the, the matrix and not recognize that Neo is a messianic figure. Oh, for sure. I mean, his ship is named the logos for fuck's sake. I mean, it's not like he's literally bringing the word to the robots. I mean, come on. Um, but uh, yeah, that ship was called the Nebuchadnezzar. No, 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 no. The one he gave to, or the one um, 
uh, uh, damn it, uh, the Will Smith's wife. Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jada. Um, Jada Pickett. Uh, the the one well, the ship she gave him. Because Nebuchadnezzar was already gone by that time. The ship she gave him was the Logos. Well, yeah, but the Nebuchadnezzar was the ship that Morpheus has, named after a seeker who found out that he was incredibly wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of that in there. However, uh, to me, it's it's very similar because when you when you see somebody who's super religious, they take comfort in the fact that they know what's going to happen, right? Now, I personally don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. Uh, But I can't let that paralyze me anyway. The way I have dealt with it is to just say, well, it's going to happen whether I want it to or not eventually. Nobody gets out of this sucker alive. So I know that something's going to go down. Now, I don't know how that's going to work, and I don't know what's going to happen to it. Or how it's going to happen or when. But I know it's going to happen. And there's nothing I can do about it. So why worry about it? It's it's an inevitability. So And you can't worry about, like, what if the sun explodes? It's like, well, it's probably not going to, so just don't worry about it. And that's what... Or what happens if the nukes fall? Well, you'll be radioactive dust before you even knew it happened. So. Yeah, you'll be a stain on the concrete before you feel it. So just... Don't panic, okay? <laughs> Do you live in a reasonably populated area? Yes. All right, well, then you're screwed. So don't worry about it. It's fine. And Jake and I have had that conversation before. Um, it's fine. Oh, I spent far too much time in D.C. for that not to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you won't feel it. It'll be fine. You'll be like those Japanese people who were, like, literally shadows on, on concrete. Like, you won't feel it. Uh, so to me, it's worrying about an afterlife or worrying about, is this a simulation? I think it's a fun thought experiment and I'm curious to see what happens, but honestly, uh, like why worry about it? Well, see, I've done a lot of playing devil's advocate for you, but I'll go on the concept of, I'd like to know, I'd like to know, not because it would necessarily change the way I live my life, but it's just the curiosity factor. I want to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I I look at it as like there have been billions of people before us who have lived and died without the same information. Right. Well, they like there's been people before the 1900s that wondered what it would be like for man to fly. There was. Uh, people before the 1950s and 60s who wondered what it would be like to walk on the moon. There were, you know, like all of these steps, all of this stuff. There have been billions of people who have just had to live with not knowing that. And I'm not saying willful ignorance is the the solution either, but like at a certain point, you just got to go, well, I got shit to do. Get on with it. <laughs> and I mean, they're fun thought experiments and they're fun to look at and everything. But in the same time, like you got stuff to do, like worry about what's close to you. W- worry about what's in your grasp. Worry about what you can do. Be that large or small. 
and and I, I'm not saying don't reach for impossible things, but don't let it kill you either. Because uh, it's uh, it's to me, it's just like oh my gosh, just like how much of your life is spent just worrying about crap. And and I, I'm going to talk about this because as we've talked about on the show, like I have severe uh social anxiety oh, like I, I spend most of my days worrying about crap that's half of what this podcast was about was to get yeah. half the crap i was worried about off my chest yeah like it will panic me all day if i know that i have to call somebody i've never talked to before i i will sit and worry about it and give myself just like a panic attack about it because i know i'm gonna have to do it I don't want to do it, and it makes me nervous, and I have social anxiety, and it just spins and spins and spins, and I get tighter and tighter and tighter wound because I know it's coming. And the closer it gets to the time, the worse I am. So, like, this is this is who that's coming from. Let that shit go. <laughs> it doesn't do you any good, right? Um, I, it's it's just not not something that I can worry about. I think it'd be neat if it was all a simulation. Because that means I could go again, and I could change stuff. Or if I knew it was a simulation, I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm going to do some weird shit. Respawn. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're going to do this shit over. Watch this. Um, what are the rules? Where can I respawn? What can I do? Can I go again? You know, like, <laughs> would really like to do this, you know, because um, that's. That's how I play video games. That's how I that's how I attack stuff. I mean, that's that's what you do. Um, and, and I wish I was more enlightened. I'm not. <laughs> if I was more enlightened, I wouldn't be this thing. It, I wouldn't have the, this it's, anxiety. It's the Reverend Sean. It's not Buddha, Sean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I I would not like I wouldn't have this much anxiety if I was if I had all the answers and stuff. Of course, I don't. But. Uh, I, I think it would be completely advantageous to know versus not. Sorry, I flaked out for a moment there. It's <laughs> <laughs> all contemplating the universe. Uh, yeah, hey, my, my mind got bent and frozen on that one. With that said. Uh, I don't know if you had a, if you noticed it or not. We talked before the cast, and you've apparently had a semi-busy week. I did. Uh, but the uh, HBO Max just put out a documentary on someone I know both you and I are have been fascinated with over the years, who is probably one of the more dynamic thinkers and definitely one of the more dynamic communicators that we've ever had in this world, and it's a shame that he's passed, and that is George Carlin. Yeah. Uh, have you had a chance to watch this? No, I haven't. It is to see the evolution that this man came through to get to where he was, even going from being goofy to being introspective to being drug-addled to being just one of the great observers of our world to even just getting really, really dark at the end. Yeah, I think he realized that, and this is my personal opinion, it makes no difference to anybody and, and shouldn't be taken as fact, but I think he realized at the end that none of it 
that he did made any difference and didn't change anything. And that really pissed him off because he thought we were better than this. Well, his statement was because uh, there's a, there's actually a lot of talk about that in the documentary and his statement that he had said through various conversations that were recorded were twofold that he loved Pete, uh, per, uh, individuals. He hated groups. The MIV philosophy. Yes. Not only that, but that he had come to a point in which he had decided that he, especially towards the end, where he no longer had a stake in what was going on, that all he was really trying to do was hold up a mirror to the world and say, look at how fucked you are. (laughs) And we didn't get it. (laughs) No, uh, no, I mean, and it's... a lot of, as with a lot of the types of people that a lot of the things that we've talked about before, I, I talked about it very similarly with the last little bits of writings that came out from Douglas Adams after he passed is you look at where we are now and the things that he was saying before he passed away in the early 2000s and very, very prophetic. Yeah. He saw a lot of where we were going. And I think it's 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 one of those things that it's a it's. It would have been an interesting filter to see the world we live in now through his eyes. Well, and I've said this many times, and and people don't get it when I say it a lot of times, but he wasn't actually a comedian. He was a philosopher. Actually, that was one of the fun parts of the documentary that I found somewhat disingenuous, especially with who it came from. Whereas what you just said was talked about a lot throughout the documentary, and even in the fact of how many comedians that have been out there who have basically shown us the world through their lens, but how many of them, when something happens, do you quote? Right. And the guy who basically refuted all of this was Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) He was the one who sat there and said that he didn't think the comedians could be philosophers, that he'd never heard a comedian that had ever changed the way he thought about anything. Well, then you haven't been listening, Jerry. Well, A, A, you haven't been listening, and B, this is our version of Socrates, the guy who stands up in the town square and just basically shows a mirror to the world and says, look at this. This is who you are. You know, there have been a couple of those that I think history will show if we can – get going that long history will show we're not only prophetic but scarily correct douglas adams is one uh well, carlin's uh, another hell the, the the last book he read just to, he wrote and well not he wrote but the last pieces of writings of his that were published just the things he said about technology before it ever happened were just staggering and correct yeah um carlin's another one i think in the end, Chappelle will be one. I, I think it was, I think Chappelle is going to be more notorious as somebody like, for example, a Balzac or something of that nature as just having been the controversial voice. The one who basically, you know, Carlin's going to be remembered as showing a mirror to the world. Um, Chappelle's going to be the one who basically looked at the world and said, fuck you. Yeah, but he was right. Oh, <laughs> that's no, no. the problem. Uh, exactly. I, I, think uh, I think he's going to be remembered for 
the fact that people had no concept as to what he was trying to tell them. Well, the the thing about Carlin is he was he was commenting on the time that he lived in. Adams invented a time, but accurately called it. Chappelle was about ten years ahead. Because he he was calling stuff five, six years ago that is just starting to happen now. Like, this is what's going to happen. I'm telling you. And it's done in a funny way, and it's irreverent, and it's, and, it's, and it's controversial, and people hate him for it and everything like that. Because he calls us out on who we are and who we, we keep saying. like, And, and we, we crucify him for being correct. Being correct, exactly, and and that's one of those signs to me. It's like, up, oh, yep, there it is. Hell, hell, they killed Socrates for being correct, right? So it's not, and there are people like, and they hate like. There's nothing worse I, than I, human I, beings who are called out. I recently saw a tweet. I don't know from when it was, but basically, it was somebody who had gone to a John Mulaney concert. And apparently Dave Chappelle had been a surprise opening act. And their comment was on just how incredibly trans and homophobic that Chappelle had been and how everybody else got to be funnier without that. And all I could think of was is if you thought the man was homophobic and transphobic, then you didn't listen to what he was saying. Yeah. Because that's not what he does. And that's not who he is. But even then, what we're, we you look at somebody like Chappelle, and right now I think Chappelle can be called the goat without any question whatsoever. But Chappelle tells stories, and, the, and he's a storyteller, which is every bit wonderful. I love listening to the stories that he tells and how he brings them from something that just sounds like an innocuous story to something that in the end that just basically goes off like a thought grenade in your head. Right. Uh, Carlin was a communicator. It wasn't only it wasn't only the manner and what he was trying to say, but the manner in which he said it. The, he had such an ability to take language and string words together in a way that basically just drilled their way into your brain. Yeah, but that's just this two different methods of doing the same kind of thing. True. I I, I guess the best way to put it is is that whereas. Um, I think definitely think that Chappelle is going to be known as the philosopher that he is. I think Carlin's the one who's going to come down as being more of quote unquote an artist. Well, the the problem with Carlin is he lived long enough to see his worst fears confirmed. Well, and yeah. and was like, God damn it, you idiots didn't listen. And was upset about it. Rightfully so, I think, but but was upset about it. He lived long enough to see us fail. Totally and completely. In our our thinking, in our reasoning, in our our societal norms and cultural well, backlash. I I would think that he would suggest that there wasn't any thinking or reasoning. <laughs> yeah, at least not any good. Uh, good well, ones. I, it, it, well, think about what he. Well, think. Look at what he did more than anything else. Is he basically sat there and what he was saying while trying to make you laugh, he was begging you to think. You know, I had a. Uh, 
a government teacher, government and economics in high school. His name is Mr. Fabrizio, and uh, I was good friends with his son, but uh, who was a crazy motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but Mr. Fabrizio, he brought us in there, and I guess I was a sophomore or something the first time I had his class. I had his class for almost all of high school, and he said, you know, I don't care what you learn in my class. I don't care if you take any of this with you. I don't care what you do going forward. But I have three years and I am going to make sure that each and every one of you learn to think. Not to reason. Not to guess. Not to go along with the crowd and not to formulate a conclusion. I want you to learn to think. I didn't know what he meant starting out i'm like i think you're an idiot <laughs> you know because i wasn't thinking uh and it was it was one of he is one of the like uh, sometimes if you're lucky you have a couple of teachers that you kind of hold close and go i really learned something from this person this person taught me about life now that can be in school it could be a family member it could be a friend it could be you know just some somebody you learned something from but you have those people who teach you things personally teach you they they lead you to facts about stuff you know but yet the world the way the world works the way you work the way you interact with the world all those kind of things and he was one of those he wanted to teach me to think i think carlin wanted to teach people to see what was happening and we failed <laughs> as a society we failed and he was upset about it, you know. And I don't know. I'm not inside the guy's head, and, and well, it, certainly it, he was smart. But well, the the um the documentary is on HBO Max. It's in two parts, and it is. I I spent a portion of the day watching it yesterday, and just brought out even more joy in what this man went through and what he did. And what he was trying to communicate and the fact that he did it while trying to make you laugh. Because yeah. it, 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 one of the things that they kept touting was, and it wasn't one of those things that I actually consciously noticed, but how he could go from just one of the most thought-provoking jokes on the face of the earth to a fart joke and back again and, and, and seamlessly. Oh, no, he was definitely, in my opinion, one of a handful of masters. Um, it's it's like if you – and I like kind of old school Carlin um, because before he was mad at us. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? One of my favorite things has always been with Carlin because, and you've, because it's one of those things you've – anybody who's listened to this podcast has heard me done before, which is I, I am a very big – very, very interested in the way that we communicate with each other. And that was very much what he did, too. And I I would have loved to have seen him in this time period trying desperately to exp explain to people that you, it, it can't be about the word. It has to be what the person behind it was trying to communicate. That the word itself has no value. What is it that they were trying to communicate to you? Yeah, good luck getting that across. Oh, In this climate, good luck getting that across. I would have loved to have seen him tackle the idea that a word in and of itself is violence. 
which is why I think Chappelle is doing such a good job because he's he's attaching them to stories and giving you the scenario so that you can go, oh yeah, you're right, that is stupid, and because I, I, I think that's the way to do it. And but I mean, again, who am I? I'm a schmuck from Texas with well, a podcast, but as much still, as, as much as I love Chappelle and you love Chappelle. I think where he's running into trouble is the fact that he's actually speaking so far above people's heads that they can't hear what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is so far ahead that you don't really you don't really notice, you know, if you're lucky enough, the thought grenade goes off in your head when he's finished with the story. (laughs) But but if you didn't. But it's so if you if you're not smart enough to keep up with him if you're not paying close enough attention to keep up with him you can miss that and think that he was just being mean you know when i learned that Chappelle was a genius i mean literally a genius have you ever seen the special he's sitting in a bar on a bar stool just smoking and he said uh you know a lot of people want to tell want want me to tell why i didn't go back to comedy central and do the Chappelle show and I'm not going to tell you that story. Instead, I'm going to tell you a different story. And he told the story about the prostitute who kept going back to the pimp. And and finally, you know, they, they go through this big episode and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, she, she, you know, the pimp finally figures out how to control her. And she winds up going off. But but he, he winds up getting his money anyway and, and all that kind of stuff. And they, they go through this whole big thing. And at the end, he goes, and that's why I left Comedy Central. And you're like, oh, shit. Right. And I like I first of all, I forgot because he was he was telling the story and it was probably like a 25 minute story. He was telling the story, going through and telling the history and telling all this stuff and everything. And you forget what he was telling about. And immediately afterwards, you know who Comedy Central was in the story. You know who he was. You know who his friends were. You know who the media was. You know who every all the players were just from the story. And you're like, shit. That is masterful. And I didn't see it coming. And I, I was like, ah, I understand. He is on a different level than other people I know. Or have seen before. Uh, if you don't know that one, um, check that one out. Uh, I cannot oh, remember uh, the name of it. I've, I have seen it before. I don't remember the actual name of the actual thing, but I have seen it before. I mean, he's he's done it again recently when he, he was talking about Anthony Bourdain and Sticks and Stones. Right. Basically goes on about Anthony Bourdain killing himself and goes off into another story about uh, a, a friend that he knew who's just basically had the world just shoved up his ass and rubbed his nose in it. And it just ends the story with never even considered killing himself. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I think it's just a different way of communicating because Dave Chappelle, you use the tools that are available to you and Chappelle is a masterful storyteller. But, but even with the one that got him in so much trouble that, you know, as I said, I it's the one that I actually texted you literally the moment I finished it going that no one's going to understand what he just said. Right. And he went off on this entire story about his 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 close friend who was a trans person 
and everybody took it that he was being nasty to her and mean to her. And the story ends with him taking excellent care of this person's son uh, after they'd killed themselves and, and even basically telling him, you know, your mother was the best man I ever knew. Yeah, I knew your father and he's the best woman I ever uh, then, knew. However that, that worked out. I, I couldn't remember the exact wording of it. but And I'm sitting here listening to that, listening to the fact of how what, if you paid attention to it, what an incredibly heartwarming story this is. Oh, and it was it was too intelligent for his audience. You, and you could even hear, recognize that the audience sitting in the, in the theater was not understanding what he was trying to tell them. That's not his fault, though. That's oh, not oh, his fault. It's, oh, it's no. like trying to explain, you know, like Einstein to, to people and being like, well, it was Einstein's fault. It was so damn smart. That's not fair. Oh, no, no. I don't blame Chappelle for that. Actually, I blame his audience for that. Yeah. I blame us ones. for that. Yeah. I, I, I actually, the, the fact of what he, that last special, I almost found it tragic. It's basically because I was texting you through it as I was I was I was watching it. It started out just the way he started out. I basically went, this is going to be Chappelle's fuck you. Yeah, and it was and it was. But once again, go even going back just to the masterfulness of what he did and how he said it and why he said it. Uh, anytime somebody will tell me that they think that Dave Chappelle is a transphobe. The, the first thought I process I, I have, and I and I usually don't get into the conversation with somebody because if they couldn't understand and hear him, they're certainly not going to understand and hear me. I'm not nearly as smart as this, as this man is. No. But the first no. thought process that goes to my head is, then you didn't listen. Yeah. All yeah, you, I wish. I wish you would listen to what the man was telling you because what the man was trying to tell the world is that we are all different. We all see the world in a different way. We all experience the world in a different way. We all hear things in a different way and there's no reason to hate each other for it. Yeah, that is not a message we can readily uh, swallow. (laughs) Not in today's society. Maybe not ever, but uh, definitely not today. Well, well, I think we've come to an end of a cast. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, then if the world still exists next weekend, we will see you then. <laughs>